This episode, we're returning to a focus on Ishiro Honda, but we're going to take a break from Godzilla. Our next port of call on the next episode, probably, is Destroy All Monsters, um, the crossover event that brings a collection of kaiju together. But before that, we have to get to all these, let's say, origin stories. That means that this episode introduces Manda and Baragon, not Barugon we've had here, but that's a Gamera villain, Baragon. Now, Manda and Baragon are from the films Atragon, and Frankenstein Conquers the World. What? Let's explain Atragon first, because this is an interesting story. Now, the film was originally called, in Japan, Undersea Warship Gotengo, because it's about an undersea warship called the Gotengo. The US distributors wanted a better name. They saw that a sea dragon kaiju was in the film, so they called it Atragon, a new word coined to express atomic dragon not what the film is about at all. Now, this confused the translators as the main focus of the film is the submarine, the Gotengo. That really is the monster here. So in the original dub, the ship is called the Atragon, while the sea dragon, Manda, keeps their name. This is already bizarre, but decades later, the Gotengo returns in Godzilla Final Wars and is called the Gotengo in both the English and the Japanese versions of the film. This meant that versions of Atragon put out after this altered the translation to bring back Gotengo, as Gotengo is now a thing that people know. This makes the name of the film utterly redundant, a film called Atragon in which nothing is actually called Atragon. Bizarre. Now, Atragon itself is quite interesting conceptually. Um, both of this episode's films are Honda reflecting on war guilt, how the actions of Imperial Japan live on in the present. Neither are very eloquent explorations of this, but both are notable because of it. Um, Atragon is inspired by a militaristic novel called Undersea Warship that was modernized into a post-World War II story by Sekizawa. Um, in this, a Japanese officer fled to a secret island to build an even more secret submarine that would enable Japan to restore its empire, which is pretty messed up. Um, he is presented as flawed, his daughter finds him and is appalled by his views and confronts him with the reality of post-war Japan. But the overall messaging is a bit of a problem. You see an undersea empire called Mu is going to destroy the world and take it over and the secret submarine is the only weapon that can defeat them. So it turns out that doing this was ultimately the right thing to do. Even if he's confronted for his views along the way, the ending lets him off very lightly. Um, his nationalism is diffused, but he gets a final victory. There's a strange manoeuvre from Honda. The presentation of the evil empire is um, a problem. It is inspired by the iconography used in Hollywood epics, many of which are problematic. And as a whole, it's just a... Uh, Let's call it a colonial mess. It's a mix of appropriative brands of former civilizations, and it's it's just not great. Um, Honda actually wants to make it much more grand, wanted to explore the world of Mu, but there was a short production schedule, so a lot of things couldn't be achieved. Like how in the third act, Mu talk about having destroyed New York, an event not important enough to actually make it into the movie because they weren't able to realize it under the constraints of filming. So. New York was just destroyed. We never see it. Weirdly, 
and it is weird, Honda saw this film as a strong thematic work and actually limited the characterization to stop personal drama from interfering with his allegory in which Mu is supposed to be a mirror for imperialist Japan, a tradition-focused society also equipped with a lethal modernity. This view isn't realized at all. And the cutting out of scenes that added more characters, a thing that Honda did add more characterization, sorry, probably not his best decision. And um, when we come to the Frankenstein picture, at least we can blame the Americans for the fault. Um, this is the first feature in a multi-film deal between Toho and United Productions of America, produced by an American called Saperstein. Um, we have an American actor in the real lead role, um, Nick Adams from Rebel Without a Cause, who we've talked about before in Astro Monster, we'll return in that. He is the first person to speak Honda's lines in English. And his inclusion actually allows the film to be one of the very first depictions of a romance between a non-Japanese man and a Japanese woman in a Japanese film. Previously considered a taboo subject in art and literature, Japanese art and literature. Um, yes, speaking English. Um, he spoke English on set and then was dubbed over in Japanese for that release. The idea was that he would emote better in his language and thus give a better performance. It involved having interpreters around to make sure it all worked, but the end result is, is worth it and became the go-to for how Toho would handle multinational productions in the future, which became much more multiple. The idea for a Frankenstein film, that's from Saperstein. Originally, this was Godzilla versus Frankenstein. Takeshi Kimura's original script starts out the same as the eventual film and get ready for some weirdness. Frankenstein's monster, who who we will hitherto just call Frankenstein because the film just calls him Frankenstein. We know, we know, but we're dealing with it. Well, his eternal heart, yes, is in the hands of the Nazis, but the Third Reich is falling and the heart is therefore handed off to Imperial Japan, which is somewhat of a bold move and a clear stance against imperialism. Unfortunately, the heart is in Hiroshima when the bombing happened and the radiation eventually causes it to mutate into birthing a new Frankenstein? A, a boy at first who grows into the size of a giant because of protein. This is all kept in the final film. Um, this is Honda's only filmic recreation of the Hiroshima bombing. The film actually came out two days after the 20th anniversary of the event. It is a sobering recreation, and perhaps not placed in a film that ultimately earns its inclusion. It's a silly movie, and the usage of this real tragedy to grow a Frankenstein monster, it's maybe not great. But the film is then able to at least comment on the legacy of radiation damage taking place 15 years later and focusing on doctors working in the area. And the linking of the Nazis to Imperial Japan at the start, strong stance, satisfyingly so. In the original script, the military decided to unfreeze Godzilla, and lure him to fight the giant Frankenstein. Classic move. But eventually a new monster was made up and used, who we will discuss on the show. Baragon. Not Baragon, Baragon. By the time the final draft comes around, Frankenstein is now sympathetic. We've talked about Honda wanting to sympathise monsters before. And Baragon is the foe. The whole chucking in a monster thing works only a little bit better than Atragon, where Manda might as well not be in the film. Here, Baragon becomes plot critical, but his involvement pulls the film in another direction. The American studio demanded a monster, so we have Baragon. And that means the film that could have been about man's hubris and monster made through science, a Frankenstein movie, a film focusing on Frankenstein that actually would fit in with the Hiroshima stuff and the sincerity at the beginning, well, we lose that. 
The US studio, though, and Calvin's going to help us here in a second, got even weirder with their requests. They wanted to change the ending. Now, admittedly, the original ending of the movie makes no sense at all. Frankenstein kills Barragon, and then a fissure opens up in the ground and consumes Frankenstein, and both monsters die inexplicably and very conveniently. It's kind of great, but also terrible. Sabstein requested a new ending, demanding a giant octopus appear and fight Frankenstein, putting them both down into the water, remembering this is taking place by Mount Fuji and only a lake is nearby. Um, Honda and Sabraya thought this made no sense. A random octopus, a giant octopus, chilling in the lake, no reason. Also, they'd finished. Production was wrapped. Post-production was wrapped. But it wasn't up to them. They had to do it. A new set was built. The octopus was created. Rush job. The crew was reassembled and the scene was shot. And then Saperstein said, and I quote, the octopus wasn't that good. So the scene wasn't used, even in the American version. But the footage still exists. Randomly, an alternative print was aired on Japanese TV at a point, confusing viewers who thought they knew what the film was, and turns out didn't. Later, 1982, um, it was screened at a fan convention for the first time properly. Now, home video releases of the film include the scene, so don't be surprised if a random octopus appears, I guess. So, let's rank these monsters. Amanda, 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 we're ranking Amanda. Amanda's, ranking the monsters, back here with Steven. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be here to talk about the Manda film that is definitively about Manda. So much Manda in the Manda movie. <laughs> Millennium Manda. There's so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, one is uh, not really a kaiju movie, and nope. the other um, has a bit of kaiju in there. Yeah, one is not really a Frankenstein movie, but yeah. it's Frankenstein in the title. So the other one has Atomic Dragon in the title and isn't really a monster movie. It's a mess of titling. Also, Frankenstein does not conquer the world in either of these movies. No. Um, which would be a great movie. I would watch a movie where Frankenstein conquered the world very, very happily. Um, so if you're expecting Frankenstein world conquering and Frankenstein conquers the world, um, no, sorry. It doesn't happen. No. Uh, yeah, these titles, uh, uh, I mean, they might be overselling the movies. They might be... Uh, Saying mm. there's more there than than we might expect. I uh, I mean a Frankenstein fighting a kaiju though that's pretty fun. I that really does like happen. that, and we'll we'll talk about that later. I think we'll, we'll save Frankenstein. I mean chron- chronologically, it is second as well. We'll save that because um actually Honda had his. He wasn't a big fan of those scenes for mm. reasons we'll get into, but I think they work, and I think you do as well. So we'll get yeah. to that. But let's get Atricon out of the way. Um, Atricon was actually one of the first kaiju films I ever saw. Really? Um, okay. so like properly when I was like actually seeking them out so it has a bit of a soft spot in my heart because it's just mad um, and because it's a mess Like, oh it's a huge a, mess Yeah. oh it's such a huge mess but to me and only to me I think <laughs> an adorable mess because it's trying so hard to say something sincere and it so completely bungles every, every part of it I think like the the themes and the plot are probably too epic for what it actually mm-hmm. wants to portray. Like yeah. the early 1900s novel combined with like this uh, flying submarine <laughs> thing combined with the kaiju might be a few, it might be a few steps too far for what the movie's actually trying to do. And like, it takes itself weirdly. I've forgotten how serious it took itself. I think I'd only seen the Very, dub before yeah. as well. 
So I don't know how much has actually changed. I don't remember the film. I remember the film being stupider, and that might be because dubs just make things stupider. Mm. Um, it wasn't as enjoyable the second time through, and also I've seen more kaiju films now. But the first two thirds of this movie are quite sincere. A lot of people arguing in rooms scenes with occasionally a spy that maybe is a spy, maybe isn't a spy, and like lots of things that you think are going to happen don't actually happen for a long time. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, we say that I kind of like the kaiju to appear within the first 10 minutes. Mm. This yeah. one's about an hour 20 in, about an hour 15 at least, until we get to see, you know, and we barely get to see him. He's no, not really when, the point. When Manda does appear, Manda rides a submarine and sits there like a turret, which I just love. It's one of my, like, eternal, like, favorite kaiju moments of just this, like, wraparound, like, looks like a wire pipe cleaner of a snake just sat on a toy submarine as it just, like, bends around like a turret sequence, which is just glorious. And that's, like... Uh, I mean, the puppetry is kind of bad, though, for, for me. It's very bad. It's very yeah. bad. They talked about this in the Honda book that I was reading. It was like, yeah, we, we did not do well with that. Like, it's a very kind of like rudimentary puppetry. They didn't want to put it in the movie. Like, it was not supposed to be a monster movie. And was he like, in the book, the by the way? Or is, or is the uh, Amanda... I can't imagine it's in the book this is based on. So my presumption is no. I mean, it definitely implies that no. I mean, I have no interest in reading the novel, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the Gotengo is cool. Yeah, yeah, the Gotengo is actually uh, pretty cool. Mm. And the visualization of that is more interesting than mm. the Kaiju, I think. Um, a, a better submarine movie than it is a, a monster movie. How would you, as a crossover event, how does this movie relate to K-19, The Widowmaker? Um, I think I've, I've come to about the same place with them. <laughs> I feel about <laughs> the same way that they're just about as turgid as one another. And <laughs> they take just as long to get to it. There's no... Uh, Harrison Ford, but we do get to see some actors that I'm starting to recognize from some of the movies. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's uh, stable of actors coming back, coming back. Yeah, so we have like that that whole wheelhouse of like this is actually a, a fundamental part of the kaiju stuff because there's a lot of crossover um, hmm. and and Honda. Um, I mean, I don't know though. I I don't like it. I don't. I. I like how some of it looks. I will always not. I will always love um, how Honda shoves as many people in every frame as possible. He just always loves just lot, having yeah. loads of people in frames, and like that's part of his like political core of like humanism and collectivism. And I will always appreciate that. Um, I really like the Gotengo. I think it's really cool. But the the so this this is it's a monster movie podcast, but now it's a submarine monster. Let's <laughs> let's pretend the Gotengo is a monster. So mm. it might as well be. Um, there is actually monsters coming soon in these movies that are metallic anyway, um, with like drills on the front of them. So this is somewhat foreshadowing that, and it has a freeze ray at the front. It's a yeah. submarine, and it's unveiled in a scene that would only be equaled, I'm going to say, in the Star Trek motion picture. Um, <laughs> they spend like 20 minutes panning around the Star Trek Enterprise. They do. It's a glorious, yeah. majestic thing. So you see this, it's such a great scene. I love it. And this is only semi-ironic. So they're going to launch this submarine, this super-secret submarine, which makes no real sense in the plot, don't we know. Um, and they launch it by filling up the dock with water, makes sense, the submarine. Yeah. And then the submarine goes out into the water and just flies. What was the water for? <laughs> I don't know. It's a flying submarine. I, I hope you'd have answers about what that water was for. But I mean, uh, I don't know. It's so great. I don't know a lot of what happened in this movie, and I just mm. watched it. So, uh, I mean, like my my reading comprehension, my film comprehension is at an all time low today. Uh, <laughs> no idea what I just saw. 
Um, well, there you go. I'm just convinced you that what you saw is a masterpiece. Um, no. Here's my here's my prediction about the Gotengo is that you know like how some cars you need like a rolling start to get them going. Yeah, it needs. I a... think it needs to be submerged <laughs> to get the engine going, and then it can just fly. It needs submersion to get ascent. Mm. I get it. I saw K19. Yeah. yeah. I've not seen K19, so maybe I'm missing that um, that part of the law there. I'll if you submerge up. something, obviously it has to ascend. Eventually. Yeah, what 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 submerges must go up, as the saying goes. Yeah, that's a popular yeah. saying. How would this submarine compare to the Gamera submarine? If, welcome to our podcast of a podcast ranking the submarines. Ranking the submarines. I think the I think the uh, Gamera submarine is funnier because the two boys like uh, fuck up its mm-hmm. controls and then they I don't mean, know how funny. to use it. Yeah. This if one it, flies, has a drill and a freeze ray. That, I mean, that's cool. Mm. I mean, the Gamera submarine also gets easily trapped, and Gamera mm. has to save it. Uh, yeah. I feel like this submarine could, yeah. Um, I don't think it's fucking around. I think it could probably uh, freeze ray and drill its way out of that uh, that small Gamera yeah. trap. It's such an ultimately disappointing arc of a film because it sets up this whole like conflict of being like, oh, the Mu Empire has suddenly just conveniently risen up, and like clearly they're they're just fascists and imperialists. The way, as I said in the introduction, the way they're designed is really upsetting actually um it's just yeah. iconography that's just i don't know other cultures just shoved together like mm, bad it's a um, it's a disappointing thing where i keep liking this part of the movie like i like the whole like ritualistic dance like you say about collectivism stupid. I, I mean it is stupid and i i i wish i wasn't like endeared by it but uh but like that otherness of like those these dances that keep coming up in the movies um, I mean, I'm you are not them. wrong. There's a kitsch quality to it. It, it, it. it is what becomes the camp of the movie. So therefore you're like, this is just ridiculous and no one knows what they're doing. And it's kind of, it, it is it is fun in that way. You're like, this movie's trying something and it's failing gloriously. Yeah. So it's got these like twin storylines which would work in a film, but not in the same film of a submarine. So a, a captain that was fighting in the war has gone missing and deserted and is hiding out somewhere and basically is like the war is still going in his mind etc and wants to bring back imperial japan and then also the mu empire is rising up and the conflict that he wants to push honda is that through that empire it's a metaphor for what he wants to bring to bear because that's supposed to be japan and therefore through combating it he realizes that he doesn't want that and embraces post-war collectivism but he does that by having the better weapon than they do Mm -hmm. So his anti-militarism film is about as long as we have the biggest guns, we can stop war. As long as your militarism is collective and, Mm. uh, I mean, same means to an end. (laughs) Yeah, it's... mm, The the scene... This movie comes out before You Only Live Twice um, and the scene where they raid the base at the end is like pure James Bond style real fun of running in with, it's like we got freeze rays now why not? And they just freeze everyone and it's glorious mm-hmm. and they just explode it. And it's kind of like a Guns of Navarone style thing where they're like these cogs going around and they're freezing them and things are exploding. That bit kind of rules. When Tokyo gets destroyed, that bit kind of rules. I think I could have used like one of those action scenes like up front. Like a, mm. I think if there was a pacing where we had like a, a bit yeah. of action, something to draw me in a little destruction something that uh some impetus for like really getting involved in that that naval story uh that that airborne naval story that they're going with uh i could have i could have bought in maybe um it's just a lot of dry yeah (laughs) dry setup for that's what happens with the submarines in the air rather than the water you get a dry movie yeah yeah totally Mm. dry uh that's an issue manda though what do you think of manda manda 
not very good in my book. I think I think Manda <laughs> has a lot of potential though. I think uh, Manda yeah. is cool enough that if he were in the movie more, I might side with him more. But he's only there for a couple minutes, and the puppetry is bad, as we say. And he does um, ride a submarine, which is pretty funny. Yeah, it is funny when he rides a submarine. Yeah, uh, but but Manda's I mean, not very good here. They do the whole thing of being like, Manda is our god. We're bringing our god back, and you're like, it's a little puppet in a submarine that like shoots a beam. It's not yeah. even the thing that destroys Tokyo. It's just there, chilling. So yeah, Manda will come back and destroy our monsters. I wish Manda was in more movies because the design of Manda is unlike any of the other kaijus. It is like this very like traditional East Asian dragon figure. Mm. Um, so a sea dragon here. <clears throat> Manda looks so cool. And I think is used well in Destroyer Monsters, but would be even better if there was were more movies that took advantage of the possibilities of Manda, which um, is the case with so many of these films. They're just like, oh, here's a monster, it's here. Yeah, even if this movie did, I think it could. I think it could really go somewhere if it set Manda yeah. up earlier, especially. I think mm. that would work. Yeah, if this was actually an Atomic Dragon movie, this is actually an Atragon movie, it would be a better movie. It'd be pretty <laughs> rad, movie. wouldn't it? Mm, no. If it were at uh, least yeah. half and half, I think I'd really get on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, sadly. Um, but Frankenstein versus Baragon slash Frankenstein conquers the world. Now, if that were an octopus movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, the octopus gets about first. as much screen time as Amanda does. <laughs> yeah. And that's a cut scene. So I didn't know about this until I was reading it in the book and I only found out about it because you and um, friend of the show, Matt, watched the movie together and um, were chatting in the Discord. I just saw you being like, why is there an octopus here? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> There's no octopus in this movie. And I was like, what is this like some fan cut you watched? And no, I found out the history behind it. Absolutely ridiculous. The great thing is the archive.org uh, version that we watched had a, a listing. It says like theatrical version and octopus ending. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I sent Matt and Matt went and got his old version. And I'm like, we don't know which version this will be. So we were like patiently waiting to find out if there would be an octopus. And uh, finally, uh, within the last stretch of the movie, uh, out of nowhere, a sudden octopus jumps up on Frankenstein and overtakes him after he's already beleaguered from fighting uh, Baragon. Is that the right name? Yeah. Not Baragon. Baragon. Baragon, I believe. Oh, God, yeah. it's, it's the same name. It's the same Close name. Close enough. Yeah. But, uh, the octopus, I think, nameless in the movie, just an octopus. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Matt sent me uh, Kevin Smith's John Peter story, which is kind of like just put a huge fucking spider in in Superman. And I was just thinking about that. Um, a lot of these production angles for like these mm. uh, Japanese kaijus, especially, they seem to have like producers' notes, like insert this here, and it'll be <laughs> interesting. But octopus in it, yeah, but it doesn't. I think, like, as we've grown through the podcast, we've started to realize, like, what these movies, what the appeal actually is versus what the perceived appeal is. And that story feels so much like person Martin movie being like, yeah, monster movies. I don't know, put an octopus in it. That's what the people want. <laughs> Give them an octopus. And anyone that actually was like, we don't just want a random octopus. By the Make way, a movie about an octopus. You always have your uh, stuffed kaijus. Finally, a Christmas gift from Ezra. I have a Kraken. <gasps> yeah. I can finally oh. unveil my. For the for the listeners at home, Calvin is shaking a beautiful Kraken Kaiju um, soft toy plush at the camera, and it's it's sudden octopus. It is a joy. It is an absolute joy. Um, from Frankenstein conquers the world. <laughs> officially licensed. It says <laughs> under the, octopus yeah, appears. It says under one of the tentacles. It's officially licensed from Frankenstein conquers the world. So, <laughs> so though the octopus ending sounds stupid, I I wish I'd seen it. The original ending is bad it is so dumb of it's just like fight 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 oh they're both dead okay why 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 i was very very confused watching it so i see where it got notes 
Um, but the note should not be put an octopus <laughs> in there. That's not a helpful note. Like that doesn't <laughs> take it somewhere else. Uh, I mean, it really just adds an additional thing onto the ending that's already there because the ending doesn't change based on the octopus. No. Uh, no. The only difference is that um, in the octopus ending, he's already kind of dispatched with Baragon. And then instead of just falling down together, which is at least symbolic and interesting, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. falls well, down with the symbolic, octopus. Symbolic, maybe not interesting. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's something. It's an idea. It, it is yes, it's an idea. Though you know, it's also an idea. Octopus. Octopus. But there's no difference other than the octopus brings them down, and then they they both fall down into the volcano anyway. I would love to see because you know we were, we've been hearing recently because of like Lord of the Rings um, anniversary stuff, whatever about how um, dare I say the name Harvey Weinstein was like trying to ruin those movies. Um, which is it's nice that he's the villain in this story as well. But I just imagine him like watching the Balrog scene or in script being like, mm, Balrog bringing Gandalf down is fun, but octopus. And I'd love to see just Gandalf just like going down, down, down the mines of Moria, just grappling with an octopus. Yeah. That would be beautiful. It's good because it it doesn't really show you the end of Baragon, so he could come back clearly. And, and um, it, does. it does seem to be the end of Frankenstein, but there's another Frankenstein mm. kaiju in there. Um, well, they is that unrelated? They, they get obsessed with the idea of Frankenstein um, because, like, if you because you've seen um, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, that mm-hmm. was again supposed to be a Frankenstein movie, which is why Kong gets like um, amped up by electricity. Oh, um, I didn't know that for yeah. no apparent reason. That's why he's like <laughs> because they, they were thinking of making that. That's this Godzilla versus Frankenstein idea was going to be two different things, and then eventually it was a nothing. Hmm. Um, so. Alas, Godzilla never got to fight a giant Frankenstein. I'm hoping the Legendary series do that. That'll be incredible. Um, be rad. Um, I don't know. It's not been a Frankenstein movie for a while. I guess it's that Aaron Eckhart or whoever it was in I, Frankenstein. Do that. Yeah. Uh, do that. We had like Gods and Monsters, which is an interesting way to do like a Frankenstein creation story about like the author being the actual, you know, creator of Frankenstein, what it was like. And uh, we have the Mary Shelley yeah, I call that was good. So, what do you think about Frankenstein conquers the world, in which he does not conquer the world? <laughs> I think it's fine. I think it's entertaining. Um, hmm. I like following the Frankenstein. I like that he gets big on protein for no reason. I like having a lot of uh, science speakers full of neon fluids. Yeah, 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 which just get trashed every now and then because that's just really fun. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because we watch Big Man Japan. We're like, we oh, what if the what if the kaiju was just a big man now? Turns what out. if? <laughs> yeah. That's how we did it already. Um, just give this man protein and he's giant. Um, it is a shame, though, because it is a really fun movie. I really enjoyed it. But you can feel the movie they were trying to make. And then the movie they ended up making because they just shoved Barrackman in there. Because like there are so many bits of the plot that just feel missing. Um, like Frankenstein's just in a cave randomly at one point for mm-hmm. no real reason. And just right. chills whilst Barrackman is trashing stuff. Um, he's just in the street as a child. Then he leaves for like a few years. Then he's back. Then he's in a jail cell. And then he's attacking a woman. Then he's not attacking a woman. This woman keeps going like, no, he trusts me. And then once he would see that, he legitimately just attacks her. And then later she's just like, no, no, he trusts me. And then he breaks her out of jail. And then he's a giant suddenly um, because of protein. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, it's not believable how he's sizing no. up. Really, it, he kind of has two modes, which is small. And then the camera frames <laughs> differently. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's oh. fun how they, how they try to frame his largeness just by shifting the camera around and doing backgrounds. 
Yeah, and I, I do like the bits where it's like rabbit corpses in the classroom. That bit's like a generally like scarring kind of image of being like there's this like beast around that's like human sized. Him being animalistic but human sized is kind of fun. I do like that we have Takeshi Shimura in the beginning. Always nice to see Takeshi Shimura. Um, the Nazi Hiroshima bit is just strange. Clearly yeah. belongs in a different movie. It's another it's... thing where both of these movies have at least too too many things going for them. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. Um, but there's some stuff in here that works. Um, it's another example where I can say, oh, there's a scene in a Japanese film where there's a place that I've been to. Um, so mm. that's enjoyable. So we go to um, the Itsukima Shrine on um, Miyajima Island, which you'll know as the floating temple, which looks absolutely beautiful. So seeing that and being like, I've been there. Yeah, I saw, I saw like those fun. castles right away and I want to go to mm. there. It was my only response. So. Oh, no, it's it's oh, what a beautiful place. Um, the one thing that I'm going to thematically get out of it is because I, um, as you know, I've spoken about like visited Hiroshima when I was in um, Japan and went from Hiroshima over to Meiji Island because that's like a, a very common thing to do. So we stayed in Hiroshima at night and went over there for the day um, after one day in Hiroshima before. Um, and obviously we spent a lot of time at the Peace Park um, and in the museum, which the main museum is being renovated, which you can now see if you've seen Drive My Car, you have mm-hmm. um, the theater building there is set there um so that was also a nice thing to be like oh i've been there as well but there was no uncle vanya um but one of the most famous artifacts of the hiroshima museum is the watch that has stopped um at the point and you can see it um, melted around that it's like encased and it's like the core of the exhibit and i do like and i wish they made more of this that idea of this this heart that doesn't stop being at the heart of the hiroshima bombing and that very much evoking like the beating of the heart continuing and the clock stopping being such an iconic image. There is a really interesting kind of like poetry to that as a, and if the film was the film it was supposed to be, About that. that could yeah. be really something. But alas, it's just like a, a ghost of an idea that's kind of like quite nice. Um, but Yeah, I want the kaiju movie that is that ghost of an idea. So Mm, because, like, I mean, we're in camp kaiju territory now, and every now and then we forget that, like, these kaiju films can be these really emotive um, and really powerful pieces. And hopefully, they haven't been for a while, have they? They haven't (laughs) been for a while. No. No. Um, The next one maybe is, and this will surprise you, the terror of Mechagodzilla. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You wouldn't think think the terror of Mechagodzilla would be the next kind of like, oh, that's kind of emotional. But it is. Um, yeah. we'll get, that's the, the the last Honda as well. That's him saying goodbye to Godzilla, uh, which okay. is a, very much why it is. It sets itself up as a sequel to the first and uses footage of it in it um, to do so, but not in a bad way, like the other sequel to the first movie. <laughs> but um, So what do you think of Giant Man in this? We've got Giant Man running for the streets. Um, I think Giant Man's interesting. I think we decided man can't be kaiju, but I don't know if Frankenstein mm. can be. So I think Frankenstein can be. Frankenstein's not man. I have a strong yeah. anti-Frankenstein approach. Yeah, I think he's I think he's creation, right? Like he's mm. at least synthetic yeah. man. I mean it's not yeah, okay. Yeah, then I, I could feel that he's a kaiju. Uh I don't think he's the most interesting. We'll get to the fight, I think. Yeah, the fight's good. Um, talk about the fight now, actually. Um, just once it before, the, the, I'll explain why Honda doesn't really like the Frankenstein idea too much. Is because mm. he doesn't like the way that the man looks against the model sets. Because he said, when you see it against the model sets, it's man and model. Whereas with Godzilla, it's the artificial and the artificial. So they both seem of the same world. And I didn't really feel that juxtaposition when I was watching it. 
Um, also, because it's aged film stock, so it's not as noticeable probably as right. it was time of release. But I mean, he's not wrong. Like there is, it, at no point does it not feel like a man playing around in a big toy pen. But that's also quite a fun thing to watch as well. So I think that's just kind of enjoyable. And I think it's over. I mean, toy and toy is still toy looking. Mm-hmm. Um, man and toy is still toy looking. So I, yeah. I like the argument. But I'm not sure I fully agree. I think they do some things by the end, like it's not a fight in a giant city, right? Like they mm. use like a, a more naturalistic looking landscape with like the small yeah. uh, fake bushes and everything and yeah. try to create, you know, I think it wouldn't look right if he was fighting an actual monster within a city, like you're saying, because then you have artificial against artificial with someone that's not. So I think pairing that into like a more natural landscape makes more sense. Yeah, I think that's it's why also- the fight goes okay. Yeah, the fight's good. There's also one bit in this movie which is actually foreshadowing Ibira, which we're going to watch soon, which I think you'll like. I know that Ben's a huge fan of that, which Ooh. is the monsters hate surf rock <laughs> inexplicably. <laughs> like, both Baragon and um, Frankenstein have multiple scenes where, like, rockabilly, like, surf rock stuff is just playing, <laughs> and it just makes them go mad for no reason. I love Me it. too, sometimes. Um, yeah, I know. Makes I me go mad in a good way. But... Yeah. Um, I like the fight um you go first the fight why do you like it i like the fight because like we're saying about having something unnatural and someone that's more natural that means that you don't have to stage it so much like two monsters slowly fighting and using like a unnatural techniques and not so much rubber suit clashing because you could have this guy who's wrestling around and moves like a person which means he gets to be more frenetic he has you know unlimited points of movement whereas like a small rubber suit you're using puppetry so you could you don't have to puppet him around you don't have to rubber suit him and he could kind of move around and wrestle and like roll around on top of the mm. monster put him in like a little chokehold it's good which stuff he does, which is actually yeah I, I really like that like the, like this thing as you said with like full range of movement mm. it's a very restricted thing and it just opens up like a level of i don't mean violence as in like it's really violent but it opens up like a level of like conflict and combat that we've not had in these films before because they just can't move in that way and though it gets a bit repetitive that he keeps trying to shove his mouth open that's like kind of yeah. all that he does him doing that is is, is a cool maneuver and it, it is a fun fight because of the limitations of both and it allows me more dynamic i also baragon looks stupid which is kind of fun he looks yeah. like king Seeper Framp from dark souls that's kind of funny I watched, um, oh God, let me get the name of this movie right. Uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41. Um, Sounds right. Last week. Yeah. yeah. And there's a bit in it where I'm pretty sure someone's got a Baragon toy. Um, <laughs> there's a robot and a uh, kaiju figure and they're bashing against each other. And it's got that little like dumb floppy ears mm-hmm. and it's got the um, little spike. And I'm like, is that a Baragon toy? And then we watch this and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that is a Baragon toy. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Baragon is dopey and cool and I kind of love him. Um, yeah i like his dopiness too i like that he just has a little horn he doesn't mm. seem to have very much special power and ability no. to fight here i enjoy that he he delivers on the promise of Angiris for me of like i kind of like the idea of an all fours kaiju and it was proven in this film because i thought the destruction scenes were really good despite not having the scale of godzilla so mm. godzilla's got the scale of because he's giant he walks through skyscrapers thing on its four legs is walking through traditional buildings, but destroys them in such a different way that to me felt much more impactful. Just like, why? I mean, like, this is just trashing about because there's just too much of this thing. 
There's the one point where uh, Baragon like uh, trashes this farmhouse, and there's like this little toy horse that goes upside <laughs> down, and it's like you can just see the model of the horse on its head with its leg sticking out of the bar, which is ultimately the best part of the movie for me. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Baragon, yeah, Baragon, kind of rules. We love you, Baragon. We're excited to see you back. Um, I also enjoy that uh, Frankenstein can grab of... trees. By the way. Um, Frankenstein utilizes oh, yeah, he... and pulling them from the ground. Mm. He throws it at this guy's shed and it just like crashes through there. Uh, good moment. Which we see in the new one. We see um, in uh, Godzilla versus Kong this time, where it mm. starts with Kong picking up that tree and throwing it. And of course, the most famous bit from King Kong versus Godzilla is the eat your vegetables meme of shutting <laughs> right. trees down. Yeah. So, you know, we've got this idea of like using weaponry is fun. Um, and I do like the bit also where Frankenstein grabs like fire and is like coming out like yeah. that's like a oh you couldn't do this before that's kind of fun they could have done more with that um, what they do works mm-hmm. so so shall, shall we, we rank, rank these monsters? monsters I believe things we said at the same time that means it's, that it's means time sure. it's time um, we're getting to the point now which is a nice point to be at where we're on the edge of reading through the whole list is going to become arduous yeah, should we just continue just doing the top 10? or uh, I think the top 10. So I'll say if you want to see the whole list, um, then it is on my letterbox profile. Look in my lists. And um, if you listen close to release, it'll be the most recently updated list but or near to it. Um, it's just called Ranking the Monsters. So Stephen Gillespie on Letterboxd, um, Stephen Edge, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-A-G-E. Find me the list is there. Um, we'll link it in somewhere at some point as well. But um, that is the list. Shall so I, the uh, top 10. You want to read them or shall I? Um, do you want to read the new one or the old one then, I think? So do you want to read the original or the new? How do you so mean? Now or then? As in, do you want to read, before we add the, because, you know, we might change the top 10. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll read the original, you read the new one. Um, Spoilers, I don't think the top 10 is going to change. <laughs> uh, number one, we have Godzilla 1954. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Uh, mm, one of the best, maybe the best movie ever made. Two, uh, Gamera vs. Garon, uh, 1969. Yeah. And three, Mothra vs. Godzilla from 1964. Four, The X from Outer Space. Uh, I'm glad it's in four. Uh, five, Big Man Japan. I forgot we put it up so high. Good yeah. for Ben. Good for Ben. Yeah. Uh, six, The Host. Bong Joon-ho's Kaiju. Yeah. Seven, Gamera the Giant Monster, where it belongs up so high on the list. Eight, Gamera vs. Virus. Nine, Polgasari. Glad yes. that's still hanging in there. Ten, Mothra. That's a good Which ten. We've got um, three Gamera movies, and we've got arguably three Godzilla movies up here, which is kind of yeah. nice. I'm counting Mothra as a Godzilla movie. I'm um, hoping we could uh, keep adding Gameras and fewer yeah, Godzillas. Just, in the future. just uh, uh, overwhelm it with... I mean, uh, there comes a point where the, the Gamera movies as a whole, because there are fewer of them, maybe the superior series. Um, <laughs> I guess right. uh, we I guess we should define some of the middle of the list, because we'll probably place these closer to there. Well, let's define them by where I put in Atragon, I guess. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to drop in Atragon at the bottom. Um, Hello, I think it's significant- King of the Monsters? significantly better than quite a few of the bottoms okay um for me i think it becomes interesting i would take atragon above yongari oh that far up um i don't think i don't think yongari is very good 
Yeah, there's just so little kaiju in Atragon. I mean, it's I don't think it's a kaiju movie specifically. No. I think it's a science fiction movie that happens to have a kaiju in it. But yeah, that's the only problem. Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, Atragon or Barugon then? Gamera versus Barugon. It would be funnier to put Barugon and Barugon next to each other, but I guess we could put Atragon around there um yeah i mean it can't go above cloverfield can't go above no. gaios no even though gaios sucks but no but is it is it a better movie than yon gary i think it probably is it's probably a better movie but i think you're right it's not a kaiju movie so it's yeah. just like as a monster movie like yeah i think it is a better movie than yon gary I, I enjoy it and i have a lot of fun in it and i have no fun in, in well, very little fun in like versus baragon versus gaios yon gary or cloverfield but they're maybe, more interesting as kaiju films. Maybe somewhere between Gamera vs. Baragon and the Great Yokai War Guardian. Maybe put it in 19. Yeah, okay. So that would put 19 as Gamera versus Barugon and 20 as Atragon and 21 as the Great Yokai War Guardians. Mm. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the, the moment of kaiju is better in Yokai War Guardian, but I think it's similar at least in the amount. Very yeah. small amount at the end of each. Yeah. And at least Atragon, I mean, and it's unfair to, I think Yoko War Guardians is a better film, uh, but yeah, yeah. that's irrelevant to the conversation. Um, Atragon, perhaps unfairly, will always have the being a 60s kaiju film going for it, which just feels inherently more kind of like in the spirit of this list. So okay. it has that camp and that like production design and aesthetic that's just like, yeah, it's not a kaiju, but it feels it feels right. Um, it feels like a piece with rainbow. some of the yeah. uh, significant members of the list. So. Yeah, I agree. So Frankenstein's going to conquer the world. Yeah. Uh, is it going to conquer the top 10, though? It turns out you type in Frankenstein, you get a lot of Frankenstein movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before Frankenstein Lots conquers the world. Jesus Christ. I wish, um, by the way, they just kept making like these uh, old Universal Monsters. Oh, into... yeah, but make them just giant. Yeah, more like Wolfman giant Dracula would be awesome. I know. Yeah. I take Wolfman versus Dracula and... Mm. I mean, I mean, Gilman would be great. Like, you get the creature of the Black Lagoon, which is basically yeah. Godzilla anyway, just tiny. That would be no so one, good. Yes. I mean, I'd, I'd like Universal to go make these movies, like these giant yeah. versions of all their monsters. Get fighting. the Dark Universe, just make giant versions. <laughs> it would be good. Uh, that's what I would do if they gave yeah. me a Dark Universe. Um, exactly. So far, I've got Frankenstein Conquers the World a step above Gamera versus Baragon. So I've got Baragon above Baragon. I think I'd put it higher even. I think the, I know I, I just wanted to put it there to begin with. I just wanted to just, okay. just, just show that it's been Baragon. Um, it's better than Yungri. Yeah, um, yeah. It's better than Gaos. Um, mm-hmm. Cloverfield has kind of been like our, our mid-range point. Are we taking Frankenstein of Cloverfield? I think Cloverfield keeps slipping to where it's no longer a mid-range. I think it's it's becoming uh, is, low is bar. Is Astro Monster our new mid-range point? The one so. yeah okay do you think they both have the same star who i like in both of them actually i do i do like him he is fun to watch um do you think frankenstein goes above astro monster i think astro monster has like personality and like notable things about it that I, i'm i'm kind of holding on to above yeah. uh frankenstein and frankenstein is kind of a mess because it oh it's, it's such a mess it's trying so hard to like convey like the sense of size but yeah but he doesn't do much with the size. 
Uh, no, apart from one fight at the end, which is kind of like it's neat because it's new um, more than anything else. Which links to uh, Daimajin, where we only have one fight at the end. So it's better than Daimajin, surely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'd say Astro Monster is better. And I think we like the uh, dancing in space of mm, Astro Monster. Mm. So that puts Frankenstein at 15, just below Astro Monster and Rodan, and just below, sorry, just above Daimajin and Cloverfield. That, that sounds right to me. Um, yeah. Would it feel better between Dimogen and Cloverfield? I don't know if Dimogen's actually better, though. Yeah, I, I, I would take Frankenstein over Dimogen. Okay. Um, I think Dimogen is pretty and has a really cool last scene, but I think there's some really fun stuff in Frankenstein. And besides, um, it has no octopus cut, so yeah, I have to put um, the octopus to make it clear, it. The octopus cut is um, what's on there. Um, release the octopus cut, I say. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, just absolutely glorious. Um, so, yeah, Godzilla can do the monsters, still obviously at 27, Clifford still at 26. Um, but, yeah, well, well, sorry, no, um, Clifford at 27 and, and Godzilla at 28. Um, we're still looking good. So how many do we have now? We're at 27 total? or uh, If we include Clifford, it's 28. Okay. So 27. <laughs> Becoming quite a list. It is. We might need um, to put one on the site. I mean, I don't know. Maybe when we're all done with the with the show, or when we get closer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe when, when we reach a thirty, we might just have to have a list somewhere. Yeah, uh, because it's 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 going to get unwieldy um, to the listener that just is like I cannot visualize. It reminds me of like when you get to like the top tens in like a giant bomb podcast. You're like, I can't remember what this list looks <laughs> yes. like anymore. It, it could be like something where we list like the previous list at the bottom of the episode and uh, yeah. below the player on each of the new episode pages. Yeah. That might be a solution. There you go. There okay. you go. That's some inside baseball for you there. Um, so, um, Calvin, um, we entered the Plug Ahoy section. Um, Plug Ahoy. Which I'm now just going to reference different podcasts. So it's like this whole just like Twin Geeks cinematic universe of to understand that reference, you need to listen to which podcast, Calvin? Which one was it? <laughs> uh, the modern cast? Yes, I, I think the modern cast got you there. You know, just don't don't let the modern cast get you. Yeah, but don't let did. it get you, but do get yourself to it. Do get it. Don't do let get it, get it. You get it before exactly. it gets you. Oh, we should say that. Get, don't let the modern cast get you. Get get it, but don't let the modern. Again, we're just workshopping other podcast sign offs now. Get in or get got. Um, <laughs> get in or get got. I'm not Farley experience. We have the uh, Adventures of Grooving County coming up, I think, a day before the show, or I don't know when mm. that releases. Soon. Yeah, soon. Good movie. Good movie and good mm. discussion. And our friend uh, Matt of the show, not the Matt Farley, but Hamster mm. Matt, uh, goes in <laughs> <laughs> into the woods and gets to go uh, hang out with the motor and crew. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a, a report from uh, an uh, actual meeting with Matt Farley. Matt, Matt, Matt. Um, thus proving our point that Matt just is Matt, um, mm-hmm. which which is great. Um, so got that three letters and five mics. Yeah, we um, had fifty cent up last week. Uh, yeah, n- and you had the um, Kendrick episode, and you say that Nalan's coming soon. Yeah, uh, find out whether or not Kendrick Marlin makes the list. You might be surprised. Oh, I still haven't listened to that episode. I need to um because again one of my favorite albums of all time i would do that this weekend i'll listen to the cantrick episode um and maybe you'll convince me that i should listen to the i will listen to the 50 cent episode um convince me that i shouldn't skip the bits of music in between because i do not like 50 cent maybe 50 cent doesn't make the list you might be surprised 
<laughs> I'm surprised. Um, so I've got those. Um, I hear there are rumours about a returning um, DD cast, Daydream cast. Yeah. We'll see about that. There's going to be news DD, soon on that. So. Yeah. That could be exciting. News. news, news. Maybe like a a legitimate change to that show is coming. So legitimate, no, because previously all the changes have been illegitimate. Yeah. Um, so it's this nice one will be a legitimate change. Authorized, <laughs> authorized, proper. Um, I'm thinking of spoiling things. If you for some reason want to hear me more, um, you can hear me speak to Vaughn, who speaks a lot slower and is much more like you know easier to listen to. So that that's an appeal there. Um, and Calvin's going to join us on an upcoming episode. Because he's going to explain licorice pizza to me. <laughs> Good. I'm excited I saw that to do that. And um, Calvin needs to explain it to me because I. You don't we'll, get we'll it. We'll save that. Um, I don't get it, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm the problem. Um, and we're also going to talk about um, zeros and ones, um, not with Calvin, just with um, Vaughn. Unless he watches it in time, then he's welcome. I um, wasn't invited, but. Uh, no, you, 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 this is the invitation now. If, if you watch it in time, you are welcome to join. We'll see. It's very good. Okay, I'll ch- I'll check it out, and based on how I feel about it, we can see if I join. You'll find out if I it's enjoy got the movie. Book ending Ethan Hawke playing <laughs> Ethan Hawke, where he introduces the movie and then at the end explains the film to you in the greatest scene in any film I've seen in a long time. That sounds pretty good. I like Ethan yeah. Hawke like showing up and things yeah. and then doing some meta shit. I what was mm. that movie he did a couple years ago about like the? Oh, I'll never remember the name. Um, Before midnight. No. <laughs> not, not like a popular movie he's done. It's one where there's like a Boy, everybody wants to rule the world, and Ethan Hawke sings it for no re- special reason huh. in the movie. Um, let's see, Ethan Hawke. What? Let's see. We'll never find this movie. No. Okay, Should carry on with your plugs. Ethan Hawke conquers the world. Um, my favorite Frankenstein movie. Then you'll find it. Um, so yeah, listen to that um, if you want to listen to Vaughn again, and I will be there still. Um, our first stacks and the curious episode where, which I think is really fun. Actually um, Vaughn has seen all those Fast and Furious movies. My friend Jack and I previously did this podcast twice. Um, we have not seen any of them, but the first two when we were 11 um, and he quizzes us on what we think the franchise is about. And we answer in ludicrous fashion. And um, we had a great time. We think it's great to watch. You can watch that on YouTube hosted on the twin geeks.com. The twin geeks. The yeah, Twin Geeks. The wow. Twin Geeks. Um, That's a podcast. <laughs> that yeah, it is. Uh, the Twin segue. Geeks is the a Twin podcast Geeks. that ranks directors' filmographies. That's not blank check with Griffin and David. But there is a David. There is a David, and there's a Calvin, but there's no Griffins. Yeah, yeah. it's been really good so far. Um, you went through <laughs> rank and bath specials, which meant nothing to me as, as, as an English <laughs> person, and I was just very confused the whole time. But we're really enjoying it. Um, That's great. <laughs> Now I'm learning what Catherine Miglo films I need to watch and more often learning which ones I'm okay not having watched. <laughs> yeah, which is I, I understand that. Good. Yeah. I need to watch Strange Days. Strange Days sounds like my jam. Yeah. Um, Strange Days is very interesting. And mm-hmm. I think you'll have a very interesting take, whether good or bad there. Yeah. So maybe I will watch that. And unless Calvin can give me right now the name of the Ethan Hawke movie. Tesla. It's Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. Oh, he was in Where that? he plays Nikolai Tessa. Tesla and the, uh, yeah, he sings Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Um, huh. Out of nowhere, just like a music video of Ethan Hawke singing. It's a interesting cool. stuff. So, until next time, we shouldn't long for other planets, but make Earth a place free of wars and traffic accidents.